0: What is going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Project Describe. I uh, hope you guys are all doing well. hope you guys have had a great Easter Sunday uh, with friends, family, your church, and whoever else you may have celebrated with. Um, actually, on today's episode, we've got a special episode for today. Uh, it's actually a recording from a sermon that I had uh, the privilege of preaching uh, yesterday uh, for, our, uh, for our Easter service. So, uh, I hope you guys enjoy it I hope you guys will take um, just take a lot from it and kind of just continue uh, you know even in, into this week and of course uh, uh, beyond that uh, just this thought of and just this meditation of Christ's uh, death and resurrection uh, for us so hope you guys enjoy uh, today's episode is titled perfect God perfect plan perfect faithfulness so uh, hope you guys enjoy We're going to turn our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 25, verse 1. And I believe we'll have the verse yet. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 1. And the title of today's message is Perfect God, Perfect Plan, Perfect Faithfulness. Perfect God, Perfect Plan. Perfect faithfulness. Isaiah chapter 25 verse 1. My translation reads. Lord you are my God. And I will will exalt you. And praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness. You have done wonderful things. Things planned long ago. One more time. Lord you are my God. I will exalt you. And praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness. You have done wonderful things. Things planned long ago. Now in this verse, you know, this is a song that uh, Isaiah is writing. This is a praise that Isaiah is writing. The prophet Isaiah is writing. And and of course, this makes perfect sense. Whenever we're praising something or someone, there needs to be an object of that praise. right? Whenever you're praising someone, or whenever you're praising, just in general, uh, you don't ever praise nothing. right? Whenever you're praising, you always praise either someone or something. And so in this case, when Isaiah is writing this song, Isaiah, his praise is directed to one and one person only, it's to the Lord. Now for some of you guys, if you're reading from an English translation the English Bible, you might notice that it says Lord L-O-R-D. Uh, this translation actually, the very part there is a little incorrect. Uh, when it says L-O-R-D, your English translation might say L-O-R-D in all capital letters. Does anybody have that in their Bibles? All capital letters there, L-O-R-D. That's not a typo. That's not a mistake. Sometimes, you know, in the Old Testament, you'll see L-O-R-D in all capital letters. Sometimes you'll see it only the L is capital. Sometimes you'll see they're all lowercase letters. Whenever you see in your Bible, L-O-R-D, all capital letters, that's to signify something to you, the reader. It's to signify the personal name of God. Whenever you see L-O-R-D in all capital letters, that's the name of Yahweh. That should show us, whenever we see that... That doesn't mean Lord as in, you know, Lord as in like, uh, you know, husband or Lord as in God. It means Lord as in the I am. This is the personal name of God that Isaiah is singing to, that Isaiah is talking to. And whenever we see this name, this is that name, the same name that it says in the Proverbs, the, uh, the, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run to it and are safe. It's referring to this name. This is the name written in the Ten Commandments that says, don't play with this name. This is the name that shall not be misused, for this name is holy. This is the same name that God revealed to Moses. Remember when Moses was being sent back to Egypt to go get the Israelites out of slavery. God is speaking with Moses, and as Moses is kind of deliberating back and forth, back and forth with the Lord... He says, well, okay, suppose, God, I do go back to the Israelites and I tell them, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you to deliver you out of slavery. And suppose they ask me, well, what's his name? What do I tell them? He said, tell them this. Tell them I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent you. Tell them that the Lord, Yahweh, has sent you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from... Call upon from generation to generation. So the name when God is revealing his name to Moses. And how he should be introduced to the Israelites. He says tell them the I am has sent you. Tell them Yahweh has sent you. Those two words come from the same root. Meaning they're interchangeable. It's the same name. When you see Yahweh you see I am. When you see I am you see Yahweh. This is the personal name of God. The powerful name of God. There's a lot that goes into a name. Uh, you know, I came here for a conference back in uh, December. where We talked about uh, you know the significance of the name, the power of a name. Right? Many of us are named, you know, maybe after someone in the Bible. Right? We we want we want uh, you know maybe our parents wanted that for us, or we wanted that for our children. We want our children to live like Abraham or like Noah or like Daniel or like you know like we name them after these names of people in the Bible because we want those kinds of lives for them. Or maybe we were given a family name that you know, carries some kind of you know, big significance. Maybe someone in my family, my grandfather, my grandmother, did something amazing. And we want to remember them or honor them. Something like that, right? You know, usually, especially for our, our, our culture, we don't just name somebody something just for the sake of naming them. We don't just pick a name just because it kind of sounds nice. Usually, we, we name, we were given a name because there's, kind of, there's a weight that's to it. If that's true for us, how true is it then for God? Whenever we see the name of I am, there's a lot that immediately should come to mind. When God says, I am who I am, these are just a few things that he means. It means that he has no beginning and no ending. He's eternal. All things come from him, but he himself never began. He always was. All things will pass away, but as Psalm 135, 13 says, Your name, Lord, endures forever. He goes forever. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, yet He Himself has no beginning or end. He is eternal. He always was. He always will be. He is I Am. When we hear the name I Am, we should always think, eternal. Had, oh God, when did you begin? You never did, I am. When will you end? I don't, I am. He's eternal. But not only is he eternal, but he is perfectly constant and constantly perfect. It's not just that he's alive forever. He is perfectly constant And constantly perfect. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change with the seasons. He does not change with the times. There is no fault in Him or sin in Him that He kind of needs to grow and mature and change and fix. No. Not only has He always existed, He has always existed the same. And in that same nature, He has always been. Perfect. Perfect. So he is perfectly constant and constantly perfect. It's not that he used to be some kind of way and then now he's like this. You know, we say that a lot, especially, you know, if you've seen someone that you haven't seen in a long time, especially maybe a kid. Wow, you've changed. You've grown. You put on weight. You've done so. Not with God. He is I am. The same. And if he has always existed. And if he has always existed in the same way. And if that same way has always been perfect. Then it also means he is the standard. He is the ultimate standard. He gets to define what is good and what is bad. He gets to say what is beautiful and what is not. He gets to say what is right, what is just, what is true. Because he's the standard. If he has always been and always will be. If he has always existed in the same way and in that same way he's always been perfect. Then he is the standard. He is the measuring stick. When you begin to think of the I AM. If this is all we know about then it's very easy then to look at someone like this to come face to face with someone like this and be easily intimidated. It's terrifying. To come face to face with perfection. To come face to face with God Himself. The great I AM, the one who always was and is and is to come. The Bible says righteousness or yeah, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Power and might are in His hand. You come face to face with someone like that. You don't just recognize His power. You recognize your weakness. You recognize how far short you fall from that standard. In fact, if you remember, Isaiah, the one who wrote the song, had that exact same experience. In Isaiah chapter 6, when the Lord is calling him into the ministry. The Lord shows him this vision. And Isaiah saw him. He says, I see the Lord high and lifted up, sitting on His throne. The train of His robe filled the temple. The angelic beings, the seraphim, are going to and fro, crying out, Holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. He says, their voices shook the doorposts and smoke filled the temple. As Isaiah sees this, as he sees this beauty, as he sees the majesty, as he sees the very power of God, he immediately recognizes, Woe is me. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I am undone. I'm surrounded by a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have just seen the King, the Lord God. When you see perfection, you begin to recognize you're not. Isaiah recognized not only in Isaiah chapter 6, but here in Isaiah 25, the verse that we're reading, he recognizes that the Lord, the great I am, is God. No one else qualifies to be God. We're so quick to put so many other things, so many other people in God's place. There's only one qualified to be God. It is the I am. No amount of degrees, no amount of money. No amount of nothing in this world that will pass away qualifies to be God. Nothing else deserves our attention. Nothing else deserves our worship. As Isaiah says, I will praise and exalt your name. Only him is worthy. Because only him is qualified to be God. Now if Isaiah had left it at that, Lord you are God. If he had left it at that, that would be enough to praise and exalt his name. That would have been. Lord, the I am, the perfect one, the constant one, only you are God. That's enough to praise Him. That's enough reason to praise Him. But that's not what Isaiah wrote. Isaiah didn't leave it at just, Lord, you are God. He says, Lord, you are my God. My God. What's the difference? That's relationship. If you can imagine, if, my, if I brought up you know, my, my family, right? let's say my dad, my mom, my sister, if they came on stage, I wouldn't say, hey everybody, I want you to meet a father, I want you to meet a mother, I want you to meet a sister, no, I would I would say, I want you to meet my father, my sister, my mother, my family. Nobody would say, hey, this is a husband, no, this is my husband. Nobody says, hey, this is a wife, no, this is my wife. My child. That's relationship. Isaiah says, Lord, you are my God. But how does someone like the Lord, the great I am, the constant one, the perfect one, the holy one, the all powerful one, the all eternal one, how does someone like the I am become my God? How is that possible? That shouldn't be. How does someone like the Lord, when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, we just heard it earlier from the kids. He says, when you pray, you don't pray like the pagan, you don't pray like these people, but when you pray, you pray like this. Our Father. If you are speaking to your Father, by definition, you must be a child. If I know nothing about Pastor Bini, if I never met him before, and one of his children comes up to him and says, Father, I can automatically know, oh, he must be a dad and this must be his child. Based on that one simple phrase, Father. When Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray and he teaches us how to pray, he's also telling us this. Remember the relationship that has been given to you. The great I am is also your Father. The great I am is also your God. All throughout the Old Testament and the New, we see this kind of language. God, I will be their people. I will be their God and they will be my people. That's relationship. But again, it begs the question, how? God, if you are this perfect, if you are this good, if you are this powerful, if you are this righteous, if you are this kind of person, how could you deal with someone like me? I'm less than perfect. I'm not holy. I'm not clean. I'm not good enough to be in your presence. How can someone like the Lord, the I Am, become my God, my Father? And the only way that can happen, the only way that that can happen is if a perfect God executes the perfect plan in perfect faithfulness. The only way that the Lord can become my God, the only way that the Lord isn't just God, but He is now my God, is if the perfect God, Him, executes the perfect plan in perfect faithfulness. And that is exactly why we are here to celebrate today. Because this God had the perfect plan through His Son, Jesus Christ. He would leave heaven. For you and that? What did we do to deserve it? What did we do to earn this? What did we do to get the great I Am. To get off of His throne. To come down to our level. We were made in His image. And then He took on our likeness. Why? Why would He do that for us? Why shouldn't He do that for us? We have no hope whatsoever. For the great I am, the Lord, to become our God unless he does it himself. Unless the perfect God executes the perfect plan in perfect faithfulness. This plan that God spoke of to send his son was spoken of long before Jesus ever came. The scriptures long before Jesus came say this. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we will call him a man. It was written that he would take up our pain and bear our suffering. That the punishment that brought us peace, that would bring us into relationship with Him, that would bring God to be my God, that would bring God to be my Father, that punishment was placed on His Son. It was written that He would die and He would be assigned a grave with the wicked. It was written that though it was the Lord's will to crush Him and to make His life an offering for sin, this suffering one Jesus would see the light of days. The light of life in his days would be prolonged. In other words, he would rise again. He would not remain in that grave. God knew what this plan was from the very beginning. From the very beginning, he knew when he created you and I, he knew we would fall. He knew that we can reach that standard that he is. He knew. That we would turn against him, that we would want nothing to do with him. He knew that we would make gods out of nothing. He knew that we would take, you know, success and we would take uh, money and power and degrees and, and all these things. We would take the things of this world and place them above him. He knew that we would do that. So he knew from the beginning the only way that these people will be my people and that I will be their God is if I pay. With my own son. He had the perfect plan. And he executed that plan. Not in partial faithfulness. Not you know in 50% faithfulness. 75% faithfulness. In perfect faithfulness. God did exactly what he said he would do. To the day. He knew when he would do it. And he did it exactly when he thought out to do it. This is how faithful God was to execute His own plan. If all things come from Him and God is responsible for all of creation, that means the very tree that needed to be cut down, formed into a cross, which later His own son would be put on, God was responsible for that. In perfect faithfulness, God did exactly what He said He would do. He crushed His own son. He rose again three days later. And because He lives. We live. Yes. Amen. We live. Amen. And just as Isaiah says. For that. For your perfect faithfulness. For doing what you have planned long ago. I will exalt and praise your name. That's why we're here. Yes. Exalt and praise His name. Amen. Only He is worthy of. Only God, a perfect God like this, can do something like that for us. Only a perfect God like this is is even capable of loving us like this. So for that, we praise Him. For that, we celebrate Him. Not just today on Easter, but every day. If we have no other reason to wake up in the morning. If we have no other reason to smile. If we have no other reason to rejoice. Remember this. The Lord, the great I am, is my God and your God. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't deserve it. But he did it anyway. This is why we celebrate Easter. He's a perfect God. Executing the perfect plan. And he did it in perfect faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We honor you, Lord, and we bless you. We exalt your name. We praise your name, Lord. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done exactly what you said you would do. Lord, I pray that as we're getting ready to close out, we've got one more song. I pray, Lord, let us exalt you. Let us praise you. Lord, we can never give you what you deserve, but I pray with everything that we have, Lord, I pray that we would give it to you now. Father, may we be constantly reminded of who you are. May we be constantly reminded of your son, Jesus. Jesus, open up our eyes to see. Open up our eyes to hear you. May we never tire of the gospel message. May we never tire, Lord, of your faithfulness. May we never tire, Jesus, of your sacrifice. Jesus, you told us in John 8, you are the I am. You are the all-powerful one. You are the constant one. You are the perfect one. And you came down to our level, Lord. And we didn't deserve it, Father, but you did it anyways. Amen. We thank you for that. Amen. We bless you for that. Amen. Father, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. Help us to fix our eyes on you always. Amen. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful and powerful name we are.